Star Wars sessions. Probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. The Star Wars sessions podcast. Part that he loves a good Star Wars session. Absolute legends of Star Wars sessions. This is the way. This is the way. Please welcome your hosts, Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is when fun begins. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy and welcome to Star Wars Sessions. Come for the Star Wars, stay for the Sessions. My name is Matt Hudson, aka Jabba the Hud, and joining me here as ever in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon, he's the greatest Star Wars man, fan and buddy, he looks good in teal, it's Luke Bly, Master Blywalker, how are you sir? Oi oi Savaloi, yes, no I'm not too bad Matty boy, I'm not too bad, I had a great week. Had a great yeah. week last Tell week. Me. Went to Legoland, didn't I? Oh, you last did. Week, went yes. To How was it? It was really good. It was really good. Not like it's one of those things where I went as a kid. Obviously, got the kiddie driving license. And oh, like same, that. same. But you go back as an adult, and it's like I, I notice a few more imperfections. But and and Not there the was cost. a bit of a there was a lack of Star Wars as well. And apparently, Dan yeah. Cramphorn the other day, Joker yep. Squad, Joker Squad, Dan. He messaged us and was like, oh, yeah, there used to be way more Star Wars. Way more Star Wars back in the day. So, um, but, oh, well, that's probably like a licensing thing, I'd imagine, right? So, You've got to imagine so, because otherwise that would be quite a big sell or a big draw for the the older heads amongst us, as well as the kids, surely. Yeah, you'd think so. You'd think so. But other than that, mate, it was absolutely sweet. Um, yeah, h- how's your week been, mate? How's your week? No- nothing big happening this week, right? I don't know. Uh, no, nah. Naff week. Last, nah. Week, last week was where it's at. I had a good week last week. I spent the whole week with Olivia. I had the week off work, which is always a blessing. Um, got to do some cool stuff. A few National Trust parks. Um, a few too many sweeties and things like that but um, reality came crashing back this week when back to work and back to normality but um, yeah it's nothing to look forward to which is a shame do you know what I mean it's always good when at the end of the week you've got something to look forward to and it kind of pushes you on but for the life of me stone me bro I can't think of anything happening at the end of this week to get me or a whole selection (laughs) of sickheads happy <laughs> well, Can I you? started this. I started this week off by eating a curry, which mm. is, you know, that's if anything, that's a sign of things to come, right? Of course. That's a sign of things to come. Yeah, uh, super Star Wars night, the spicy, super, super spicy Star Wars. Night. That's what we should have called it. We should have added in the spice <sighs> next time. Do that. You ruined it now. I know. I know. <laughs> Drinks right. on, Luke. Well, anyway, the slightly you know, not as good Super Star Wars Night is coming to you in East London this Saturday, mate, the 27th of August, 2022 at the Genesis Cinema, Um, Stepney Green, Whitechapel, in that area. Uh, We're so excited, man. We are so excited to be there, to see you guys, to watch Empire Strikes Back, to have a bit of fun. There's going to be a bar Man, I, I I'm so excited for this, and and we got people coming from far. We got people coming from Manchester, Malta, wherever, wherever. Wales, Wales, Kansas. Apparently, 
Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, Essex, you know, the, yeah, uh, the jewel of the country. Yeah, mate, this is, this has come around very, very quickly. And, you know, I can't wait to see everybody. Once I walk through the doors and everybody's there and they're all having a great time because of Star Wars and because of, uh, this community that you've all helped to foster. I cannot wait, mate, to see everybody's beautiful faces, have a little live mm. show, have a few beers, watch a little film and have a heck of a night. It's going to be a thing of beauty, a thing of beauty. Uh, but in other news, I think we, we've got, we've got another member of the sessions sickheads. Is that right, mate boy? Yes, we do. We want to give a shout out to our latest patron, Charlotte Hammond, who has joined at the high ground tier. Charlotte, thank you so much for joining up to our patreon you know what i'm going to say now i certainly oh. hope you enjoy everything that's coming out this month everything that's been and everything that's coming on our patreon we genuinely appreciate your support don't we lukey boy and we've got so much more to come on patreon in the rest of the year charlotte honestly it means the absolute world um we got some awesome con- i think we got some of our best content on patreon you know the <laughs> podcasts are great you know, the Journal of Luke Blywalker gets spicy. Jibber jabber with Jabber the Hud. I mean, not much. On this month, mate. Not, ma- not many shows are named better than Jibber jabber with Jabber the Hud, right? <laughs> the Journal of Luke Blywalker. Though. Imagine opening those, the, the, the sacred Jedi texts. They're That's there. It. They're all there oh. on Patreon, mate. This month on, on my show, I've got a little, I've got a special guest. She's pint size. She's only small, um, but she's doing some Star Wars impressions. You are oh. not going to miss this. <laughs> some of them are superb i'll just say that now well I, I i'm hoping to have a guest on my show as well but um he's not that little he's actually quite a big guy so <laughs> me oh and he might he might do he might do some impressions <laughs> for us so. <laughs> you did one to me you sent me one on whatsapp the other day and thankfully Livy wasn't there to hear this uh, very strange very strange impression well you sent me you sent me a message with an impression what was it or guerrera it was uh, so guerrera yeah just out save of the blue the rebellion save the dream that's I was it in the car and i rep- i just sent one with um cassian andor back and i thought it was really good let's see if i can play it on my phone just quick mm. Do you, can you hear this <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly just breathing it's mostly just breathing <laughs> so the first time i heard it i was slightly concerned i thought is this are you saying are you basically saying please call for help because you can't breathe or something and then i yeah. listened back and heard what it was but charlotte thanks for sign up for the patreon yeah, anyway <laughs> <laughs> thanks thanks charlotte yeah i hope you enjoy the uh the extra content yes. Yes, that is the news from Sessions HQ, but that's not all the news we have for you tonight. No, no, I can hear the chimes of Big Ben Kenobi in my ears, which you and I, we know only means one thing, my friend. It must mean, my boy, it must be the Sky to News Round. Take me to the News Round. Despite prior reports, Embracer Group has announced that the Knights of the Old Republic remake has transitioned to another studio within the group 
and that it isn't expecting any material delays for the title based on this transition. Lucasfilm has announced that a new novel titled Star Wars Jedi Battle Scars will arrive on March the 7th, 2023, and it will tell a story set between Jedi Fallen Order and the upcoming Jedi Survivor. Star Wars Visions executive producer James War has said the next season of Visions will take a more global approach, including studios from Africa, Chile, England, Ireland, France and India. And finally, Obi-Wan Kenobi, A Jedi's Return, a new behind-the-scenes documentary about the making of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, will premiere on Disney Plus on September the 8th. This is Guy Henry, known for playing Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. So, I I don't want to freak anyone out, but I think we just made a Star Wars movie. Action! I just have one goal, which is to make the most powerful Star Wars movie I possibly can. (laughs) Once we decided that we were making Star Wars movies, he was one of the people that I was immediately interested in. I looked into his eyes and I saw conflict. You have to lay down all your chips in front of a lot of really good poker players. I trust him. I have to trust him. Feels really nice to put Luke Skywalker in front of a camera. I think it's just beginning to dawn the sheer scope of this project, which is enormous. Beautiful. Good, good, good. It's really House of Cards. Everything needs to be, like, so perfect, you know, to get it done. I got really scared. Every single decision is personal to him. The best shot at making something good is to come into it and trust my guts, you know. It's nice, Powerful. right? Yeah, you like it? I love it. Yes, as you have just heard, we're going on an adventure, hand in hand with The Last Jedi. That movie that elicits such different reactions from such different people, but it makes you feel something. And tonight, we're not re-reviewing the movie, we're not going through the film, giving our thoughts on it necessarily, we've done that many times instead. We're looking at the director and the jedi documentary that was released concurrently with the blu-ray and the dvd release and it is now also on disney plus as well uh this comes off the back of one of our social media posts which unsurprisingly given the subject picked up a lot of traction so we thought we'd revisit the feature-length documentary how it lands with us lukey boy the director and the jedi the director and the Hadai. let's talk about <laughs> it what are your thoughts straight up then on the documentary mate i think when you compare this documentary to something like the beginning that accompanied the phantom menace (laughs) right i think really what we're looking at matty boy is one of the best star wars documentaries out there it's really raw you know at the time unseen footage of star wars being made and they're really transparent about everything everything you know the stuff that you know, some people evidently felt was controversial or naff about The Last Jedi. They go into in this documentary, they're like, well, yeah, you didn't like Luke. Well, this was our thought process kind of behind it. 
or at least you see it being made. You see it being made because, uh, uh, again, maybe that's up for debate what I just said, actually, whether you see the thought process. But overall, mate, I think this is one of the strongest Star Wars documentaries going. And it's for a film that you can tell had a lot of care go into it and a lot of thought, a lot of thought. And that's something that I picked up on. You know, so I'm really, I'm really excited to jump into this. There, there is a lot in this. It's a hundred minutes long, right? So that's it's a long documentary. I, I, I I actually forgot it was that long. I won't lie to you, mate. Mm -hmm. Like when we were rewatching it, did you did you manage to rewatch it, mate? This weekend or just gone? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, I watched it an hour forty odd minutes. This is a feature length documentary in every sense of that phrase. It's not. Mm You know, a feature I think is classed as anything over forty-five or fifty minutes. Nah, RJ doesn't care about that. He goes full on one hour forty minutes, and he's a filmmaker's filmmaker. I've said that before. And the way this documentary is produced, I know he had it wasn't necessarily Ryan creating this documentary, but of course he had huge input. Um, in mm-hmm. fact, one of the editors um, commented on our social post, which was very kind of them. Um, but this is a proper, like you say, it's a very raw documentary didn't feel fake it doesn't feel polished necessarily it isn't oh hey hey great everything went really well everyone's having the best time this isn't hard at all to make a film no there's there is a kind of progression regression progression where it starts off excited and then you see the toll this has taken on everybody as the filming goes on because it's a long shoot and then by the end it kind yeah. of has more of a celebratory feel to it but yeah i like you i really liked how they um i really liked how they showed the, you know, the different facets of making a film the, of production it wasn't just you know here's here's the guys in front of the camera they went all in and showed everything it felt you know you, you could feel kind of the, the, what's the what's the phrase the mud underneath their fingernails you know they were boots on the ground and it is one of the best if not the best star wars documentary i've ever seen uh i yeah. can't pertain to have seen every single fan made one i'm sure there's some fabulous ones out there the beginning the, from the phantom menace is superb you know that's like a beautiful time capsule for that film and also how far behind the scenes they went as well it's something you don't often see they that was from the days when at the time dvd extras were you'd buy the dvd just for the extras you, you think of this the lord of the rings films and others now, the extras people really cared about them now you get a trailer you might get a commentary and a, a deleted scene or two unless it's choss you don't get that but you do get a good documentary but I think this is one of the best Star Wars documentaries. It's also one of the best film ones I've seen for a long time as well. Not just because it's Star Wars or I like happen to like Ryan Johnson's films and his and his style, but I think it's just the way it's the way it's put together and like yeah, we've alluded to, you know, the content of it. it. It isn't just a you feel like a fly on the wall at times. It isn't just a retelling of things you already know. Is it? It's really it's really good, Luke. I think that's <laughs> what I'm trying yeah. to say. It's <laughs> no, filth. I. Yeah, it is filth. It is filth. It really is filth. You know, I think you, you've kind of already alluded to something I wanted to say because again, this, this documentary is an hour and 40 minutes long. You know, we can't go through this like scene by scene, but rather I think we're just going to talk about what, what really stood out, what jumped out to us as viewers, as Star Wars fans. And I think one of the things I just kept reminding myself of Matty Boy because of this documentary was the expense. The expense yep. of a Star Wars film and the effort 
the effort, the, the, the sheer effort for something that is seconds sometimes on a screen, you know, and they put so much effort and resource and talent behind it. Um, one of the ones that stood out to me, or one of the scenes that stood out to me was the, um, the, the, the Fathiers, right? The Fathiers, yep. like how they programmed that, right? You had the people on ILM researched for, for X amount of time how a Fathier would w- move, run, walk, nod, you know, eat, chew. And then they translate that into some code. They put it into this, this frame and then the puppeteers come and put everything else on top. And then there's a, 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 a creature performer doing something in the background. And you're thinking, Oh my days, this is just for, you know, minutes yeah, quick scene, max yeah. of, of footage. And there is just so much, mate. The, you know, the film industry is so impressive. And I think as, mm-hmm. as fans, you know, myself, especially like what I, I just completely forget how much love and hard work goes into projects like this. And I think that The Last Jedi, Episode 8 at the time, or Space Bear, right? Space Bear. The production name was just absolutely huge. Absolutely huge. And they needed the right person to 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 lead that project and to drive that project. And the, the documentary opens up with a really cool quote from Kathy Kennedy, well, you hear her say it. And it says, I've been making movies for a long, long time. But seriously, I don't think I've ever had an experience I've had with this guy, Ryan Johnson, and this guy, Ram Bergman. Like, yeah. and that now when, when you hear, I mean, we've heard that before, but rewatching this documentary and seeing how, what Kathy, the president of Lucasfilm, thinks about the production of The Last Jedi, it really does make you realize, like, yeah, I can see why the folk over at Lucasfilm, particularly Kathleen Kennedy, went, yeah, give this guy a trilogy. Yep. Right? Before the audience saw the film, right? Because that's now up. That's a different conversation. But, yeah, go on. Yeah, no, no, you're spot on. I mean, yeah, there there were were there problems or trials, sorry, during the uh, production. Of course there were. But but they were filmmaking issues, like – Let's we go, are we going to go on location or are we going to work on a soundstage? If we go on location, what are the literal pitfalls of working on the cliffs of Ireland? The Fathers, great shout. You know, there was talk about, should we do it CG? Would it be cheaper to do CG? Because I think some, somebody used a really great quote that, you know, in terms of, in terms of a budget, you know, you know, they've got a really wide box within to uh, play within the parameters of, but it's still a box. You know, you've got to, you, yeah. you've only got so much money. Uh, yeah. So that was interesting. And then seeing, yeah, the love that went into crafting the fathers, especially was incredible because they could have just used a CGI horse, basically. They could have just done whatever there to get it over and done with. But no, they, they went say in. that they say that mul- yeah, they, multiple exactly. times during this. Yeah. And there's a shot of, um, during Encanto bite with Boyega, John Boyega and Kelly Marie Tran are there. And Boyega's looking at one of the, the aliens in Canto bite. And he says, is that a creature or is that a person? in a you know in, in makeup and costume it was so believable that the actors on set couldn't tell and you only you know that's only going to enhance their performances when they can look around and see this huge casino these wacky aliens and you won't you don't feel like you're on earth or in the volume for example where you can only get like seven or eight people necessarily and that's not a critique but when you're on set with that mm. many people dude 
Come on, how impressive was that? Well, well, I want to ask you a question as a film guy. Do you think The Last Jedi is visually the most impressive Star Wars film? Yes. Yeah, frankly, yes, I think it is. Um, every, every film, even the prequels, had practical sets and practical effects and all that, and all that practical good stuff. Effects. But the way Ryan and Ram and Co went into this with the, they say it during a documentary, Ryan wanted to do everything practical, everything. Of course, yeah. budget dictates otherwise, but yeah, and and I really felt that, and I know JJ brought back the practical effects and the CG, um, mix it uh, augmentation as well with that. So for JJ, big shout out to him as well. But I do think you know just the some of the the framing of the shots, the composition of the shots, the the mise en scene of the shots as a film word for you guys Ooh. is second to none. I think it's the best looking and best produced Star Wars film out there. And one of the things I liked was seeing was how they recreated the, the classic uh, wings, the dolly shot in Canto Bite, where it's going over the tables and you think that it's just a camera going through when really it's on a, on a, on a set of rails. And I really enjoyed seeing how they did that and seeing Ryan's reaction when it, when it paid off and he realized, yeah, this, this is great. He, he looked like the guy and he says this. And that's a phrase you're going to hear a lot from us on this episode. Ryan says, you know, he's having the time of his life. And you can tell yeah, you can in tell. so many moments he's looking around and doesn't seem overawed by the project at any, by any means, but he's, he knows what he's doing. He's fully aware that they're making a Star War, but he's enjoying himself. This is the story he wants to tell, which is the most important thing. He's not dictated by the fans, what you or I want or any of the listeners or anyone. He's telling his story and he's having a great time doing it. So like you said, I can understand fully why Kathy and the gang would be like, yeah, yeah. Let's give this guy a trilogy because he's no issue. He's having fun. He gets it and he stays within budget. And one of my favorite scenes of this is because well, I thought you were going to mention this actually, but the one, mm. well, there's a few that stick out, but one of the ones that sticks out is when, uh, Ryan and Ram are signing off on the final budget sheet. And they say, you know, at some point we're going to have to go back to why reality. Why do you think I'd, why do you think I'd I don't know. The way you led in uh, and you were talking about, um, I think you were talking about money or something like that. And I was like, oh, he's going to mention the budget. So he's going to say, <laughs> oh, it. right. Overly specific. Right. But yeah. That, like that. See, these two guys who have come from indie backgrounds, the, the budget's got bigger with each film that Ryan did, but nothing like this. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Looper was a great film, but I reckon what 80 million, maybe budget. This is three times that amount easily. Uh, so yeah. I just found it really interesting to see, you know, behind the scenes, what it's really like when two guys from an indie background sign off a budget and see that many zeros on it. That's always stood out to me. And I've, I don't really know why. But the other side of that is again, maybe financially, it, this is a bit geeky, but I was really impressed by the way they would kind of, um, counter suggestions or ideas or concepts. Like for a while, they wanted, you know, there's the scene on Acto where they go on, um, they go to the tree, the really old tree with the yes. sacred Jedi texts and Luke obviously like, burns it down. They were fully committed to filming that in Iceland. Oh, Am I getting that right? Yeah, you're right. Just to hear like, right, we're, we're going to Iceland to do this. And even, even now I'm like, hang on, lads, like, Doing, you know, that's a lot in it. That's a lot. That's a lot of effort for yeah, a lot of money for as that. Well. And someone obviously they don't set in a documentary, but obviously later 
you know, it's, we know it's done on a set. I remember seeing that set leaked mm-hmm. and people would fly drones over and you'd see this tree with this hill and people are like, oh, what's that? Yeah. What, what is the tree? And I think yeah, even I remember just that. visually, visually the, the tree and, you know, rewatching this documentary, I can't help but feel like, oh, this is so fantasy. This is so fantasy. Like mm-hmm. that scene, that, that set could easily be in lord of the rings it could easily be in any sort of fantasy show and fit in and i think actually the last jedi leans into that quite a lot um and then you've got your standard weird star warsy stuff in canto bite and obviously we see this huge canto bite sets they built in in pinewood and you can't help but look at that and go oh my days that there are people making this stuff for a job and I can't get over How him. Lucky, mate. I can't. And it's just so easy to forget that, isn't it? It's well, so easy to well, forget that. The way they yep. showed how all the extras coming in and that they were looking for specific body types, specific looks, the way people would walk. Um, it must have been mental to film, but you had Michael Kaplan designing the outfits there. It's that kind of stuff I love is just seeing how these are just normal people wearing a pair of jeans and a kind of knitted sweater when they come in. And then by the time they finish, they, they look like, an alien in this kind of otherworldly glamorous ball gown or we had that old dude come in bless him who worked on a new hope um which only worked with george and, that, and i thought that's that's very cool when they managed to incorporate him in the film but seeing it's uh, this if this documentary doesn't change people's opinion on the film again you can love or hate the film it's no skin off my nose i don't care i think it's great but this documentary should at least, if you've got anything about you, give you an appreciation for the passion and the hard work that went into making this film. You don't have to like the film, but to be able mm-hmm. to watch it and think, mm-hmm. yeah, it looked, it looked like a walk in the park. No, they, they weren't interested or Ryan ruined Star Wars because he didn't care. This, do- this documentary says otherwise to me. Well, I mean, the fact that we still, we, we, oh, we still see You'll see why I said seal in a second because it's it's a it's combination of two words that that, I, that I'm going to say. <laughs> but you see Neil Scanlon a lot yeah. in this Bleak documentary, yeah. And and you're like, oh man, like you know this guy, he's he's in this a lot, and you you yep. you just realise how many droids, puppets, aliens, creatures are in this, and. Like you said, that practical, it just is so Star Wars. It really, really is Star Wars. Um, you know, I, the elephant in the room, Matty boy. The really? elephant in the room. Oh. And, and, and this, don't be daft, mate. The elephant in the room. But you've got Mark Hamill on set. Yep. And you've obviously got this this story and this arc of Luke Skywalker, who is going through a story that a lot of people didn't anticipate. You know, they didn't necessarily think or or maybe hope for the story that we ended up getting in The Last Jedi. And mm-hmm. I think that story really is what annoys and frustrates a lot of people or people can grow and appreciate it or maybe even love it. And then there are some people who absolutely adored it from day one. I'm kind of in the middle. I'm someone who walked away from the last Jedi thinking, okay, that bits that film I love. And there are some things in this story with Luke that I love. And yet that I feel a bit conflicted on it, you know, and, um, even today, 
I still have some of those feelings. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend like I don't. I mm-hmm. still have some of those feelings where I'm like, oh, man, like, you know, it's hard to look at someone like that, you know, that you've seen in the original trilogy, you've seen as a little yeah. boy now, you know, and, and as an older man, and maybe if you're used to the, the, the old expanded universe, the legend stories, then, you know, you, you, you might look at the Luke in, in, in the, in the last Jedi and think, oh, mate, this is, this is odd. But I suppose if I were to see someone I loved, you know, go into kind of a spiral of despair, depression, yeah. you know, yeah. you, you'd also feel a similar way. And for me, I think it's very real. And I think that's where, that's where kind of the, the big conversation is and the big opinions lie is that some people, they don't want that realness in their Star Wars. They don't want that. You know, they want, a, they want just escapism. And I think this documentary does try its best to show you where Mark's coming from and where Ryan's coming from. You know, yes. Mark Hamill says, I fundamentally disagree with, with your concept of this character mm. and how the you classic use him. Quote. Yeah. And he goes on and says, having said that, I'll do everything in my power to realize Ryan Johnson's vision, which is superb, which is superb, which is, you know, a great actor. But you can even tell in the documentary, Luke, um, Luke, Mark Hamill's not 100% sold yeah. on this. You know, he's not. Yes. I mean, by the end, he says, you know, by the end, he's done, for me, he's he gets it. Whilst he'll always have his reservations or his hopes or dreams for what Luke could have been, he does with a kind of hint of um, wistfulness or sadness say, you know, I'm not Luke Skywalker. You know, they just rent him out to me, which, however, which, you know, is true. We've we said the same about Han Solo. You know, Harrison was ha- the first actor to play Han Solo and he embodied Han, but he isn't Han Solo. Uh, you know, you could play Han Solo as long as you can get the, those mannerisms down. It, there is nothing saying Mark has to be Luke, but like you said, there was something special about Luke. He resonated with a lot of kids growing up. He was the hero. We They took that journey with him. And I think the problem is, you mentioned Legends, you know, I think the Legends, the books and comics gave people a inflated idea of what they were going to get from Luke in The Last Jedi. And that isn't to say they were wrong for thinking that, because for the longest time, that's all we had was these stories. But now, obviously, they've gone, they took Luke in a different way. I, whilst I came out of the film, uh, I've said before and thought, God, I don't know what I thought about that. I know I liked it, but I can't get my head round how I feel about it. But I always like what they did with Luke. I always liked that and the peace and purpose of the ending. I always dug that. Um, but I, but yeah, you can see Mark Hamill during this and the kind of conversations behind the scenes with Ryan and the stunt choreographer, the coordinator, when they're saying, look, you know, Mark, he wants to do the fight, but he wants to make sure that because he that he uses the, the F word a lot, fans. You know, he wants to make sure that the fans believe this is Luke Skywalker, and mm. he wants to do it. But it, you know, he's also a sixty-two-year-old man. We've got a we wanted to look good, so there's them talking behind, about Mark and openly, but he's not there about his concerns about the fight. What are people going to think about it? Like him and Ray on Acto. And you can see a kind of, and there's, there are a few shots where Mark looks like he's padding about having a bit of a strop, to be honest, but he delivered his best performance. Now, whatever he thought about Luke Skywalker, that's the best I've ever seen Mark Hamill 
like physically act in anything, you know, voice acting, whatever. But physically, that's the best he's ever been, probably the best he ever will be. And I think he has come around to the Luke Skywalker Ryan gave us. I don't think he'll ever fully grasp it because, you know, I think maybe he wanted more. But I do think now that he's seen the vision that Ryan had, and I think he alludes to this in it, I think he's come around more so to it. Um, but the scenes with Mark were fascinating because that provides the heart and the soul of the documentary for me. You've got the brilliant B- B- BTS stuff and everything else we'll mention. But the Mark Hamill situation seems to be like a through line throughout. It starts earlier on and throughout we yeah. kind of get peppered with Mark, Mark, Mark. And then by the end, he's there as well and looks a little bit happier. But I find that found to be a really interesting place for them to hang their hat on. You know, this yeah. the whole Mark Hamill thing. It's almost as if they knew what the fans were going to think or the backlash they were going to get to have this already in the bag and their documentary already. But at the same time, Ryan also knew what a big character Luke is and what he meant to people. And so he can't, I'm assuming he kind of anticipated that, you know, not everyone is, is going to like this. And it was an interesting w- way for the, for the director and the Jedi to kind of have its, that's kind of the narrative. That's kind of the through line of, the documentary for me everything yes. else around it is just as good if not better but the mark hamill thing is what kind of pushes it along because for newbies or for those who want the juicy gossip it does kind of unravel more as it goes you have to keep watching to get more of the story and i found it a really interesting device that they used yeah no absolutely mate absolutely and i think ryan is questioning questioning this story throughout you know he's not going into this and going and saying to himself ah oh, this is going to be the best star wars ever he's he's trying to make the best star wars ever and that's clear but he's not just like full of beans and like uh you know he, mm-hmm. he is questioning what he's doing and that's a good thing you know it's a good thing to st- take a uh, take a stand back and go hang on are we doing the best thing here for this story we're we doing the best thing here for this saga you know Ryan says at one point, this again, this is later on in the documentary, but he says, Mark, very understandably, wasn't thrilled about some choices in the script. The big thing mm-hmm. being that where Luke's head's at, the fact that he's not the Luke Skywalker we knew, and frankly, that he dies at the end. Yes. And then Ryan goes on to say, then it was a matter of really being honest with myself. Is that what's best for this trilogy? Is that what should happen here? In questioning that over and over again. You know, that's so sincere. You know, again, whether you like value, is it? Whether you like it or not, whether you like the story or not, you know, Ryan is really considering what's important here, whether this is going to drive the the the, the story forward. And I also think something that is forgotten about the sequels is that it wasn't written by one guy. You know, it wasn't written by one person. It wasn't even written by one committee. It was written by different people. And Ryan had to answer the question of why Luke Skywalker is on an island on a lonely, like missing planet that no one can find. And why he's not helping mm-hmm. his sister? Why he's not helping his best mate? Why he's not helping Chewie? Why he's not helping his his nephew? You know, well, what what's the reason? Yeah, he didn't do it for fun. He didn't go. Well, Luke's just like down the gym he's on holiday, getting jacked. You know, and it's rocky. Yeah, Catching he didn't do fish. that. Right, right, and. 
I don't know. Yeah. You know, I get it on, though. I he, get, I get the frustration. I will say that I do get why some people would be frustrated with it. I know. I, I get it. I mean, I fr- when frustration turns into the cack that we've put up with online for the last four four years, then come almost five years, then I kind of think, come on, guys, let it yeah. go. But um, frustration, yes. What we've seen online, absolutely not. Just jack it in. So I get it. You know, people wanted to see the heroic Luke Skywalker, but this is 30 years later, 30 years later. What has he seen in those 30 years? Or is he just the same bloke as he was at the very end of Jedi and nothing's changed and there's no development and that's bad storytelling? I know which one I would rather have, but of course it all comes down to the execution, mate. And what story they tell. And like you say, JJ um, left him in classic JJ fashion. He, didn't, he just gave him a load of questions. He's like, you answer this. Go on. You, you aren't. And, and you know, what? what is he going to do? Why, like you said, why is Luke there? Why is he not helping the resistance or rebellion, the New Republic? Sorry. Well, I don't know. Give us an answer, mate. And uh, he does say during it that he, for all of the characters, he, they sat down and they had a brainstorming session about where were the characters at the end of Seven? And what's the mo- where's the most interesting place I can take them by the end of Episode 8? And um with luke he obviously thought that was the best way to do it and as i said earlier it, it wasn't done for shock value it wasn't done for a kind of you know game of thrones oh he's gone moment it's there was reason for it there was it was the spark which mm. the rise of skywalker kind of took with you know getting everyone the galaxy back together again though it does seem fairly inconsequential by the time you get to nine but at the time though i think it's very good I get why people were upset with it. I get it. But at the same time, I don't really want to see Mark Hamill or Luke Skywalker like he was in that film suddenly go to the Battle of Crates and start tearing down the Gorilla Walkers and stuff like that. <laughs> I don't, I, it just wouldn't, it would look a bit daft, I think. And I g- genuinely think that because it wouldn't be Mark Hamill doing it. It'd be a stunt guy. It'd be too fast. It wouldn't look great. And it would be a huge shift. I mean, the entire story would change. Would it look cool? Probably, yeah, because it would be uh, it would be the, the dream for the fans for the, all those years. Sim- do you remember our reaction? Everybody else is to Mando season two, mate. Mm. Now we got that moment of Luke, mm-hmm. and that's Luke in his prime. You know, I don't believe that was an apology either for the Last Jedi, but I get why I get why Mark felt like he did. But I also respect the fact that he got on with it. He he got paid well to do it, but not just that. He did the best performance he's ever done. And he imbued that with a sincerity and emotion that I didn't think he was capable of. We sat in Costa Coffee, and one of the things I remember saying was, I don't know if Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher can lead a film, given their respective acting chops at the time. They hadn't really been doing anything and all of that. And Mark and Carrie's great, and we'll mention Carrie, but um, you know, Mark Hamill knocked it out of the park despite his fundamental oh. early disagreements. His acting, man, Mark Hamill's acting, he is such a good actor, isn't he? He is such a strong actor. And I think The Last Jedi is like his best piece in all of Star Wars. You know, you just see. And mm-hmm. also, you know, you mentioned like Cray. I love Luke on Battle of Cray. I, I love yeah. him in that. You know, like he, he's, it's just so like beyond you know, just fighting and dueling. It's, Jedi, like, it's, it's, it's so, be, yeah, it's so beyond that. And, it, you know, it's, and I think when I think about, when I, when I think about it like that, you know, 
oh, I just get like, uh, I get just that nerd, you <laughs> know, freak it. out. I just go absolutely mental. Whereas he punked the whole resist uh, first order. Whereas I can see why, because the film doesn't always, the film doesn't always flow how I would want it to, you know, the film doesn't okay. always lead to lead to that, you know? And, and again, I think that's partly why a lot of people, you and I included my boy left that cinema thinking, huh, we had to think about it. We maybe even had to rewatch it. We maybe even had to like yep. sit and think or meditate on it and, and come away with different feelings. That could be a good thing. But also, in other ways, you think, you know, like, you mentioned Mando. You know, there are things where you just watch Mando or Kenobi or whatever, Rogue One. You just have to watch it the one time. And you're like, yeah, I love this. I this love is this. It. It's, love, it's love at first sight, you know? Whereas <laughs> The Last Jedi, I, don't, I, I, I just don't feel like that with The Last Jedi. It's more of a worker. You know, you have to work, I feel... Like I have to work a bit harder to love it, you know, and I think that's where it comes down to taste. And I understand why a lot of people are like, "No, nah, I can't be bothered with that. I can't be bothered. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sold on it. I'm not sold on it." Um, but I think what's great about a documentary like this is that it kind of makes you think about it without necessarily being caught up with the emotions of how you felt watching the film prior you know you can just yes. go into this and go oh okay i can learn something no, okay. oh okay that's interesting oh they knew they were doing that oh they knew what they were yep. doing with luke was almost a bit controversial that luke was the obi-wan kenobi of this trilogy you know yeah uh, they say it. i like that yeah yeah there was a confidence there. There was a confidence in the screenwriting the confidence in the director there was a confidence overall in this and there were so many moments where we saw the roadmap was laid out for ryan by the um first ad and the a uh, associate producer and he's like man it's a big deal but now i've got it in front of me let's do it you know and then and then they start getting the first scenes in day one was finn and rose telling poe about the hyperspace issue and we can this is how we can do it blah blah um and then and you can see both of them ram and ryan and once they get back from skelly for the first time i'm like i don't want to go back to meetings anymore I just want to get this thing done. I want, I want to get shooting, man. And that's what I love about it is that there's a real confidence. And like you mentioned with the location shooting, like that, the whole Iceland, they wanted to put a tree in Iceland, move the entire production there for a few days just to yeah. get the location. That's just down to uh, excitement, confidence, exuberance. And then of course, practicality, uh, won the day when they could, when they just did it at the soundstage or on, uh, and Pinewood, wherever. But uh, I, I, the feeling I got was, you know, this was a guy who is so confident and is so happy to be doing this. Uh, he even mentioned, you know, he, there's positive Twitter interactions from Russian bots. But it's really odd hearing Ryan Johnson saying, you know, I've got positive positivity on my Twitter. Um, and he says of the film, you know, it's been joyous to make, but ask me again in a few years and see how I feel about it. The I took a real emotion out of watching this as well mainly because what mm. we know now the reception to the film what i feel about the film um the journey that it's been on and the sequels now that they're over as well there's a real emotion in this and yeah in many there's many moments uh, the, when ryan says he's not ready for this to end he doesn't want the production to end he knows it's going to but he doesn't want it to um he's seeing the excitement of the cast and crew 
there seeing Daisy and Mark rehearsing in Pinewood like before anything had even really been completed. Like that, I was like, man, this, this is little hut in, so cool. in just on like the leafy, leafy suburbs of London. It's that. And of course, mate, we have to mention uh, one of the, one of my favorite parts of the entire documentary is um, how they, ha- how they discussed Carrie Fisher and mm. her role in this and, and what she brought to the set. And Ryan saying, you know, taking a moment to say this wasn't intended as a goodbye. However, you know, it kind of acts as a really nice uh, tribute to Carrie. And we saw, we see her, you know, on set having fun. We saw how everyone kind of gravitated to her. Oscar Isaac clearly loved her. Laura Dern, the great Laura Dern, the respect and appreciation she had. And of course the rehearsal for the Luke and Leia reunion scene. I mean, I think that was, that was the, hardest part to watch generally i think it's again i don't know what it is it's because i'm a governor or because or whatever but i can't i watch things and i ball my eyes at every time but like, the emotion the weight and the power of the scene actually in itself is great like, the, the more emotional take that they went with there compared to what they had in the film but again it's kind of has the realization that carrie is no longer with us anymore so we're watching this with different eyes now and what it means and the re the last reunion on screen anyway of those iconic legendary characters but it shows that mm. whatever people thought of carrie's acting overall like her body of work when the time came you know she, when she was in front of that camera she got down to it and she, she that was a fantastic performance in that moment and actually in the film as well i think she's very good but the emotion in this documentary is more was was more than i thought it was mate but um you know the the carry scenes, and obviously that scene with with Mark. I could see you then uh, gesticulating when I mentioned it. It's a big moment, isn't it, in the documentary? It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful, and I think that's that is one of my favourite scenes in the film. You know, just the the kiss on Leia's forehead is just so so beautiful, so beautiful, so subtle, and even with the little bit of the, the humour, you know, wedged in before. She's like, I know what you're going to say. I changed my hair. You know, it's like, oh, perfect. That rolls over from The Force Awakens, doesn't it? Because that's what Han says to her in The Force yeah. Awakens when he first sees her. Change your hair. Yeah. Same yeah. jacket. Yeah. So that's I, quite a cool it's, little it, point. It's really, really nice. It's really, really nice. And like you said, just seeing how the the the, the staff and all the actors interacted with, with Carrie was, was lovely. It was really a pleasure to see. Uh, there's a bit where Ryan says to Carrie as well, make it faster and less intense. And yeah. I think it goes, it goes over her head. Like she's like, yeah, whatever. Like, but I was like, ah, very good. Very good. Ryan. We, we yeah, saw what reference. you did. Beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. I mean, you know, we can sit and talk about Carrie and Mark in this for hours. Even Anthony Jan- Daniels, we see a bit of him on there and Frank yeah, Oz too. As, as per you, I mean, the Frank Oz stuff, mate, boy, I, you know, oh, Mark's emotional response to Come on, Frank Oz puppeteering Yoda, it's precious. And the love that went into bringing Yoda back to, to the big screens again as a puppet, as a puppet yeah. was, was absolutely wonderful. It was the wonderful. The original mold as well. 
the original mold. And I don't know, it's just mad seeing videos of like Neil Scanlon and all of the team, Frank Oz. And I think they're like sending videos about the Yoda puppet and yeah. mold and whatever being used in episode eight. And if you look at the, um, the, the, the date on the videos, it's on like May 2015. And I, I find that really mm-hmm. difficult to wrap my head around. That it's like, wow, that's May 2015. That was before we even saw, yep. you know, The Force Awakens. That's before we even Man. saw The Force Awakens final trailer. Before we even yep. saw the Comic-Con reel, the behind-the-scenes reel. You know, it was all about JJ. It was all about these new kids on the block. And yet, over in Lucasfilm yeah. or in London, you know, whatever, they're, they're figuring out how to bring Yoda back for episode eight. That makes me realize, like, wow, yeah, no, this stuff was really in production for quite a while before they even started filming, you know, episode eight. You know, they weren't even done with episode seven. And I kind of have an appreciation for that more so after watching this documentary again. You know, one of my favorite parts of the documentary, Mayboy, was honestly, and I think it's about time we... We touch upon the, the 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 newbies, right? And again, we can spend hours just talking about like Mar- um, uh, Daisy Ridley, Adam uh, Driver, who isn't in this loads. Um, no, but John Boyega, Oscar Isaac. You know, not all. Actually, the, the funny thing is, there's a lot of love on the behind the scenes, like the, the the people that are making these films. You know, it's not just about the actors, and I really liked that. But it was inevitable that you're going to end up talking about Luke and Mark because people wanted to know about yeah, that. Of course, it was, yeah. it, but it was also inevitable talking about Daisy Ridley and Adam driver and their insane chemistry and their insane story arc in this. Um, Ryan says at one point, it's like Ray and Kylo are two halves of the protagonist. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's spot on. He gets it. That is spot on. You know, your, your old girl, no, no, not your old girl, your girl. Uh, <laughs> <It's not rumors>. <laughs> your mum. <laughs> oh, uh, flipping Samantha Hudson or whatever. Yes. What's your mum's name? That'll do. Uh, but Lorraine, shout out to my mum. I oh, thought you were going to drop the Hux and your mum joke from the start of The Last Jedi. Ah, yeah, we love that. Uh, we all love a mum joke to kick off a Star Wars film, don't we? Uh, it's not my bag. Anyway, <sighs> no, right. Was a clang, yeah. It was a clang, mate. It's so stupid, uh, especially when so much of this film absolutely smashes it out of the park. It just feels like a disservice. Anyway, I'm not going to rant about that because we're not talking about that right now. But Daisy yeah, Ridley, so, da- Daisy Ridley says this, right? She goes, it's uh, only when they touch, you know, Kylo and Ray. It's only when they touch that either of them see what could be. And through that, they build this incredible kind of intimacy. Luke should be the one nurturing Ray. But it's actually Kylo that is. And it's like, oh, yes. It. And this is what it's all about, man, isn't it? They, in that instance, he, you know, we talk about planning in the sequels, and we're not going to pretend like we've never mentioned the poor planning. But, you know, for those two characters and their arc to get throughout all three films, it generally seems to be the one which has the best through line. And Ryan nailed it, I think. Uh, yeah. And and old uh, the English Rose did as well. Oh. You know, they they got it. They they got the arc they were going for. And seeing her and Adam on set doing the four Skype scenes was great. You know, having them both on set together, um, he was very intense. Like they said, you know, he's, got, he's also looking very swole. 
seeing their saber training together for the Praetorians was great. Um, and how they choreographed that and hearing Daisy say, you know, how are we going to do this? We're going to do this in little bits. And they were like, well, actually we're going to do it all in one take. So we're just going to have to go with it. And she's like, okay, cool. Let's do yeah. it. You know, it, you just know how hard it was to have done that. But the proof is in the delicious pudding. That is the throne room fight. And I think Boega gets, you know, gets the most speaking parts in this. He gets, you know, they, they cut to Boega a few times. Um, we don't really hear from Oscar Isaac other than, you know, a few things he says to Ryan throughout, through Ryan's mic. Uh, we didn't hear from anything Kelly Marie Tran either, which was a bit of a shame considering Ryan, you know, found her, headhunter and found her and brought her on. Would have been great to have heard her story or her thoughts, at least on working on such a massive production coming from pretty much like YouTube skits prior to that. But I mean, that's, they're, they're small nitpicks for me. But because, uh, like you say, it was always going. The problem they had with Luke Skywalker in the Force Awakens, remember, was they didn't know how to use him because they knew he'd just take over if they get bring Luke mm. in. Kind mm. of done the same with the documentary, though. I'm not complaining that when you've got Luke Skywalker slash Mark Hamill, that story was always going to take over the documentary, and and it did. And did it prevent other things and other people from having their say? Yes, but it was an important thing that needed to be told, and you if, know, time if- has only proven that. Yeah, exactly, man. If if you gave that time to everyone, like the doc would be like, you know, five hours long, right? Longer, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just it, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably would, but you know, it's, it's, uh, that's Geeks. a hard one, but I, I get why they did it. And I think actually the finished product of this documentary is grand. It's really, really, it's good. tight. Yeah. You know, going on with the Raylo stuff, and that's it. I'm referring it, referring to it as the Raylo stuff, which I think. You can't have the Raylo story. You can't have this connection without the Luke being down in the dumps. And that's what really just like hit home this time with me watching this documentary is that you can't have like Ray is looking for a mentor. She's looking for someone else in her life to help her guide her through, through, through her future. And Luke at the moment can't necessarily be that. And so there's this guy who she has a really strong, crazy bond with. The Force awoke in both of them. And I think it's so original. It's so ridiculously original. And seeing that all sort of culminate in the Ray and Kylo versus the Praetorian Guards. Mate, that was unbelievable. The slow-mo was sensational. Absolutely sensational. Ryan Johnson says this, right? Not getting what she wants, not getting the answers she thought they were going to come from, and meaning, meaning Luke, meaning her parents. That was the hardest thing. You're wondering who you are. Well, you have to find out who you are for yourself. And it's like, oh man. And it, you, you remember hearing, at Star Wars Celebration Orlando in 2017, when Ray Daisy Ridley says, "You know, you oh, I get to meet my hero," but mm-hmm. you know, heroes aren't all what you think when you meet them, and it's mm-hmm. that was the well, breadcrumb. Nine. That was the breadcrumb to this like massive fat off loaf of bread, loaf of baguette. <laughs> oh, baguette! You don't get a, you don't get a loaf of baguette, do you? So yeah, this baguette mm, of, of Star Warsy goodness. I just think, man, like the the chemistry as well, just hearing Adam Driver just going, 
you're nothing. You're no one. <laughs> you know, I just think it's so, it's so good. Oh, so good. And we get a shot of him screaming more as well. They, you know, they, they knew yeah. what we'd want in this. We got topless Kylo and him screaming more. We, they knew what we wanted. Uh, I just, I just love this documentary, mate. I love a few other things I've picked out were, um, Ryan realizing he has to edit during production for the first time because on his other films, he's had the luxury of time mm. where he can film and then do post production and reshoot pickups if needs be. And there's a great shot of him and Ram where they're kind of, he's saying to him, you know, trying to kind of whisper but look we're gonna to have to rewrite the entire sequ- opening sequence because it doesn't track and narratively things aren't connecting it's that we get to see the other side it isn't just oh this is perfect it's i know he realizes that once he's seen the footage it doesn't make sense people aren't going to know what's going on it doesn't connect i thought that was uh i thought that was really cool that they uh had that in and also like yeah. the fact that it sounds awful but you know they showed that the lads and everyone just looking knackered progressively more haggard as it goes yeah. on and we see them sleeping on sets we see them sleeping <laughs> on a sofa anywhere that. that they can get is yeah, anywhere they can get but uh it's, but when they wake up though you know um john boyega said it and i think mark said it as well with that you know this there was never any ego there was never any bad beef with the actors they never came on set in a mood or sorry you know they were always there ready to go and that is the professionalism which you know you want on a on a set like this is probably the reason why it went so well um i got a lot of project management vibes as well from this uh the way oh, that they were saying like oh my job don't is, geek out matt job, <laughs> i mate, i was at one point i can't remember the dude's name like the ap who was the english bloke who was talking a lot he was you know he's like my job was to tell it is to find out what needs yeah. to be done and get it to the right people and then make sure it's done i was like well that's project management 101 you project the pm what do you need okay that person's the set is a subject matter expert well, let's get you on this is how much time you've got. I'm going to come back to you in a week. We're going to talk about how far that's all it is. And it's, um, when you break it down like that, it sounds so easy, but then as we find out, it isn't so easy whatsoever, but it's interspersed with cool moments like George Lucas, you know, the guys like George Lucas, he, uh, he wants to have a word with you. Can I schedule him in for eight o'clock? And the, the mo- they capture the moment where Ryan realizes that George Lucas wants to just have a chat with him on the phone. And you can only imagine what was said on that phone call. Um, but there's so many other cool things, mate. You, the way they showed uh, Ram, Ryan and Ram's birthday celebration, it, to me, that kind of showed that, you know, this is such a big production that the, these life events were happening during it, and but it, they were absorbed into production that, you know, they couldn't go out and have a shindig. It was all bought on set and they made the best yeah, of what they point. could do. Mm, a real mm. kind of like family affair. And I re- uh, there was so much here to to enjoy and to appreciate and to love and the behind the scenes stuff and hearing neil scan and say this this was bigger than the force awakens and the rogue one combined seeing them kind of like deciding which casino chips to use the thought process behind dj you know the switcheroo and saying we want the audience to think he's like han solo but then nope we're gonna pull that away from them there's so much to like and you know the skellig michael the 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 challenges of shooting there the cliffs the bad weather the fog i I actually went online afterwards like how much does it cost to get there how much does it cost for a trip? And I looked at it and I was like, it ain't actually very much. So uh, no. if, any, if this documentary showed me anything, it's it's cheap to get to Skellig. Um, but no, there's so much good stuff here, mate. The emotion, the passion, the the work, the highs and lows, the trials, tribulations that came into making this film, I think are really, really, really well uh, captured here. It, it, this isn't a love letter. This isn't a, 
a way of them mm-hmm. saying, look how great everything was. It is, look how hard it was to do, but with the right attitude and the right spirit and the best and the best people for the job, which is what they said in every department. Look at what we can create. Love the film, hate the film is irrelevant compared to the passion and the thought process and everything that went into making this. And I think this documentary perfectly, for me, perfectly captured that, mate. Yes. Yes, mate. Yes. I hear you. And it's one of those documentaries where I'm like, man, I wish we got this with every Star Wars film. You know, particularly, basically every other one. <laughs> like Force <laughs> Awakens, Solo. We got one kind of for the Force Awakens, which was... The Force we Awakens did. one was good. The Trust one was the, leg- the Skywalker Legacy, which is mm. that's a fantastic documentary, but it's more about. Well, you messaged me. The Skywalker you messaged me saying, Parker. "You messaged me saying, oh, I, j- I just want to watch the episode one, um, episode nine one now, yep. didn't you? Mm-hmm. Like directly after? I did. I did. It's a big, it's a big beefy boy. That's about two hours, something long. I also uh, want to watch sick. the Force Awakens one again because just to go back to those times, man. But. Um, well, one yeah. little one little tidbit I'd like. There are two little tidbits I'd like to kind of wrap up here because again, mm-hmm. we could sit and talk about this for ages. I thought it because I have a bit of beef. I have a bit of beef with Rose's character. Oh come I have on, a bit of beef, mate. You know, it's, she's not my favorite. You know, she's not my favorite. You she gets know. my nerves. And I know the reasons bit. why for the right reasons. Right, right. Yeah, I'm not one of those schmucks who just yeah, whatever. But um. Rose is casting, and it's one of those things like when you rewatch something, you're like, oh, I didn't notice that the first time round. And uh, Ryan mentions that he casted someone you wouldn't expect to see in a Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Like, Rose is genuinely meant to be a nerd, you know, someone who you wouldn't expect in the film. And that's what Ryan said. And I was like, okay, that actually sheds a little bit of light on, on on the character for me personally i'm like okay i get it it's meant to be like it's effectively meant to be like one of ryan's mates growing up that's yeah. rose you know and i'm sure there's a deeper meaning to that and i i appreciate that as someone who is a bit of a critical rose fan because i'm still i'm still kind of a fan of her you know i don't hate her but she just gets my nerves a little bit come on dummy dummy oh <laughs> Like you wanted to reach through the screen and throttle me. Just that word. It could have been another word. Do you know what I mean? Could have been another word. Anyway. You know, toward the end, again, they're focusing on Luke and we, we heard it at the beginning of the, 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 the main discussion, you know, Ryan sharing with Mark Hamill, the title of the, of the film. And it's only like, you know, Mark Ryan and someone else Ram knows that there's no no one else knows that it's top secret, and it reminds us that well yeah Luke really is at the center of this film he really is you know an important driving factor and driving character in all of it he is the last Jedi and it is only at the end that he's not the last Jedi you know mm-hmm. and he says that he says that in his kind of monologue to Kylo but Ryan says God. in my mind. Luke's big thing in this movie is taking on that mantle of becoming a symbol of hope and inspire a whole new generation. He Mm -hmm. genuinely believes the light needs to find another hero. Ryan goes on to say, I wanted Luke's death to be on Luke's terms, to be peaceful and to feel like a victory. And that's something that we've always taken away from that, right? Is that, you know, that ending of The Last Jedi 
it is the most Jedi way to combat evil. You know, no one got <laughs> hurt. It was all peaceful. And it was doing something that we'd never seen before, which is so Star Wars-y. And so many people complained about not seeing new stuff in Star Wars. And we got it, you know. So I think this documentary is wonderful. I think if you've not seen it or if you've even not even seen it in a long time, maybe you've not seen it since 2018 when it came out with the Blu-ray, I strongly recommend and, and urge you to go and watch it because you just have such an appreciation for this film. And Matty Boy, I can't help but feel like, you know, this guy, Ryan Johnson, I'd love to see what he could do with a trilogy. That's what I feel. It's the, it's the one I'm looking forward to most, mate. He's a filmmaker's filmmaker. He understands what makes a good story, first and foremost. Yes, the fans have to come into it. We you know, want to please the fans, but he wants to make the best story that he can make, which is going to be the most satisfying to, to, to him, which I think is the crux of a very good storyteller. It does mean that you may annoy a few people along the way, but... You know, that's what would we rather a bold filmmaker or would you rather a safe filmmaker? For me, I'd rather someone to be a little bit bolder, my man. And I just hope that one day we'll see that trilogy. Luke, are we going to see that trilogy? I'm done. The direction of Jedi is fantastic. Check it out. Are we getting Ryan's trilogy, Luke? Yes or no? Uh, I hope so. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Hey, what's up? It's Taylor Gray, a.k.a. Ezra Bridger, and you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. <sighs> the Last Jedi. There was a band, there was a, a bantina, there was a canto bite there. They're having drinky poos. After reading lots of the discussion online about The Last Jedi, I always fancy a drinky poo. So thankfully, we've pulled up the Essex Falcon outside of our favourite dusty drinking hole, the bantina. There is only one question that remains, Luke, and that is, shall we? Let's do it. Can I offer you a libation? To celebrate the closing of our shared narrative. Can I persuade you to join us for a drink? Anthony, give me the spiciest drink you got. Pour me another Park Kellen sling. Where are you going, Master? For a drink? Uh, I just see Luke open the doors again with his big, beefy man hands. Yes, each week in the Bantina, we sit down here with you guys, the greatest listeners in the galaxy. We have a couple of Kef beers whilst getting your thoughts on our main discussion. And as I mentioned up top, this really stemmed from a post we put out asking for people's favourite moments from The Last Jedi. And as you can imagine, there was a mixed bag, but that's what we're going for. What were your favourite moments from TLJ? Lukey boy, what did we got? Right, we got some absolutely cracking responses. We also got a range of responses, and I'm sure you're going to get the gist of that um the swedish jedi matilda backland said so many things too many to mention but i especially have a soft spot for the throne room fight and subsequent join me please scene oh man Mm -hmm. um i really i really appreciate this comment because i feel like this person has just been very honest and transparent doesn't want to be that person but also is just being honest 
Okay. The cream trumpet. The cream trumpeteer. He's commented uh, quite a few times on our show. Simon, listens, yes. I think he says, "Don't say the end credits. Don't say the end credits. The end credits. Damn it, <laughs> naughty boys. Do you know what cream I mean? Cream trumpeteer. I, I I respect that. I do respect that. Shiavane, yeah, uh, like I love the whole movie. Um, Dimsky, more. <laughs> yeah. Dave, our boy Dave Dunn, Luke speaking with Leia. The small kiss on the head. Question answered. No more answers needed. Absolutely beautiful. Um, Paul Mul- Mulholland leaves us with uh, this. This really cool, cool little uh, comment. He says, "There are a few which makes me realise I like the movie more than I thought. The Holdo maneuver is visually stunning, and the silence just adds to its effect. Luke vanishing and his cloak blowing away, and an emotional kick is an emotional kick. And we are what they grow beyond. That is the burden of all masters. As a parent, this is what I want to achieve. Yoda was both master and father figure to Luke." Um, I absolutely adore that comment, but that is a cheeky roundup from Instagram, Matty Boy. What are people saying on the uh, Twitter and Facebook? I'm sure it's all going to be nice and reasonable. Of course, mate. Yeah, no, 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 no issues whatsoever. Uh, no, we had our boy Eamon Jacob said the the whole throne room fight is spicy. Kylo's one shot was a saber through the guard's eye is a slick move too. Old Eamon knocks it out on South Southampton on a Saturday night. Um, we had we had quite a few uh, saying the end credits. Many 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 people said <laughs> the end credits. And few people, and I'm not even going to uh, name everyone because there's genuinely a lot of people who said the end credits. Or I can't remember the film because I hate it. Um, which is fair enough. Uh, Holmes movie podcast. Our boy Anders Holmes said he thought this moment was really interesting and it was nice to see a surreal moment like this in a Star Wars film that was the moment with Daisy Ridley Ray uh, looking herself in the infinity mirror you know clicking her fingers and moving her hand that kind of like very arty kind of moment in this Love big that. blockbuster film our girl Love Star it. Wars Meg uh, Luke and Yoda staring at the flames on Acto um, Mark Sturton said well it did end eventually which I enjoyed uh, obviously that was a <laughs> very popular comment for a lot of people um, the kids at the end telling the legend of Luke Skywalker Jedi Master and, and on Facebook we got we got a few we got, it was entirely uh, positive on Facebook Jamie Richards our boy all of it best Star Wars film Lee Drain said the Luke and R2 reunion which we saw a bit of in the documentary uh, Neil Tobin Kylo versus not their Luke my favourite moment in the whole franchise. And uh, Philip James E. loved the Snoke and Praetorian guard fight. Some ep- epic visuals, choreogra- choreographed and visuals again. Uh, so a lot of people seem to think... That, uh, there's a few people in there who think this has got some of their favourite moments in Star Wars ever in this film. And there are people on the other end who apparently can't remember it and said it's the worst thing they've ever seen. That's always irked me because... It isn't, but <laughs> that is not objective. It is definitely not the worst film ever made. Uh, but yeah, divisive film, mate. I think we can say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm just glad that we had you know a mix of comments. Even people that did enjoy the film, you know, we had we got all different opinions. So yes. it's all fun, mate. It's all fun and games at the end of the day, isn't it? Yeah. 
it's all a space opera mate it's all good fun uh, but yeah like we said we've got a ton of comments so if you want to entertain yourself for half an hour please do go check out the Twitter Instagram and Facebook comments uh, we'd love to hear your feedback on them if we didn't get you on this show please don't be disheartened no comments ever really gone we'll get you on one of the next editions of The Band Tina for extra content go to patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions you know it's gonna be so good best podcast best podcast Best podcast. That's right, Spice's part of the Bantina. And to kick us off this week, it's the King of Wales, Luke Summerfield. Let's hear it. Hello there. This is my uh, Patreon question. Do you think Mace Windu would have fully turned to the dark side? if he struck Palpatine down without Anakin's intervention. I mean, this guy has teetered on the dark side all his life. He even uses um, the forbidden lightsaber form of a pad. And you notice with Mace how he speaks to uh, Qui-Gon, how he treats Anakin, um, how he speaks to Ahsoka at the end of the Clone Wars, just basically calling her a citizen. And then that duo with Palpatine, he absolutely schools him in lightsaber combat. Some might say Palpatine yielded. But if you would have actually striked down Palpatine with all of his anger and all of his hatred, would he have fully turned to the dark side and possibly become an Inquisitor? And remember, Palpatine loves a good purple lightsaber. <laughs> no. No. Right, there's a lot to unpack there. I just miss this guy. I miss Luke Summerfield. I can't, I can't wait to see him on the weekend. It's going to be good fun. Um, it's a really interesting question. Uh, Matty Boy, what are you saying, mate? Do you know what? I'd never actually considered this because we've, no, got, we've all kind of spoken about how little Annie was telling the truth when he was saying to Mace... It's not the Jedi way. He must stand trial. Even to the last, he was preaching the Jedi code and the rules of the Jedi. And it was Mace who was like, sack that one off, mate. We've got to lock this <laughs> fella's loaf off. Um, but I never really thought about that. And the more I think about it, I was thinking about it today in the car on the way back from work. And um, there was a high chance that that would have happened. It's high. It's very high. He, he, he lops off Capitine's head. He kills a man who is unarmed yes force light doesn't count he kills an unarmed man and then remember what they said about prior the jedi council said prior to this that he must be removed from power and if that happens well we're just gonna have to take over for a bit so what happens is mace kills palpatine the jedi then take control of the courts take control of the senate take control of the galaxy essentially you've seen how mace is he has a kind of a lust for power like the way he talks down to people the way he treats people in those moments you've got to imagine that for me mace gets a bit excited by this and he starts to because he starts to become absorbed in this kind of power fantasy of his as for being an inquisitor 
Well, that Order 66 wouldn't have happened, you've got to uh, assume, so they wouldn't need necessarily to hunt Jedi, I guess. I don't know, but... Um, I do think that had he killed Palpatine then, it would have been a very interesting turn because he's gone against the fabric of the code, he, which he already has done. He mentioned the, uh, the the lightsaber technique he uses, Vapad, the, the way he condescends everyone. He's not the most pure Jedi, and killing an unarmed man, I think that actually does secure him down that dark path, mate. And then especially the taking the power and ruling the galaxy de facto... I don't think it's going to end well for Mace, mate. So um, that's just my thoughts off the top of my head this afternoon. I think there's a really interesting discussion to be had about that. But what about you, mate? Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's 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 a possibility, but I think actually what it all it does is ensure that the Jedi continue in their dogmatic ways. They continue yeah. in practicing their faith wrongly and without refinement possibly you know and this is all that's mm-hmm. the thing with what ifs and unknowns is that there is yeah. precisely that amount of outcomes in the scenario you know you could have just hundreds and millions of different you know feasible outcomes but mm-hmm. do you know what i actually lean toward mace not necessarily leaning into the dark side and turning into a sith but you know killing Palpatine and, and getting rid of him out of you know whether the stance or whatever I, you know I don't take too much uh, note of that to be honest um, I think in his eyes he was just performing justice and he was he was defending you know the galaxy from evil um, mm-hmm. but Mace just isn't that tier of Jedi is he he's just not that spiritually kind of uh, enlightened you know, it's not, and, and it, it, maybe even that's too much of a strong way to put it because Luke in Return of the Jedi ends up not striking down his father, even though he could have. Mace went yeah. to, you know. Um, so it just means window. maybe he just, I don't know. I know it's a, it's a really interesting question. In short, though, Lukey boy, I, I don't think he would have gone to the dark side. I just don't. I don't, I don't think that. You beefy bad Good question, man. I mate. Great, great question. It is, because then the follow-up question is, what does Anakin do when he realises that the only man who can, quote, save Padme is dead because of Mace? You've really got to think about those ramifications. It's a really interesting what-if, and yeah. I don't usually like what-ifs, to be fair, but this is quite no. a fun one because it's um, the Senate, Mace Windu, and the Chosen One. Um, thank you for that, Lukey Boy. Again, can't wait to see your beautiful face this weekend. Uh, we've got the next one from another lad, Scott Fisher. He says, hi guys, clone boy Scott with another Patreon question. So there are many clone trooper battalions, legions, companies, etc. All with a unique paint colour and pattern slash scheme that comes with it. My question to you is this. Dave Filoni has come to you to come up with your own clone trooper unit. What would you name this unit and what would their paint colour and pattern look like? Keep things spicy and kind of wait for the live show and watch along at the end of the month. Hashtag bar and cider inbound. Scotty boy's going to be propping that bar up for real. Um, Luke, your own clone battalion. What are you calling it? Oh, Colour scheme and pattern. Mate, name scale battalion. Scale. S. <laughs> Where's that K- come from? A-L-E. <laughs> I read the question and I was like, I really like the name scale. Scale battalion. Oh, man. Um, yeah, okay. But the idea, the idea is that, there, you know, there's um, the ARC troopers in the Gendi Clone Wars and they like, 
yep. scale up and yep. down buildings. They're kind of like they're kind of like that, right? So they're kind of like an elite force of uh, clone squaddies. Um, Got it. Their their paint would have to be kind of like a really dusty, dusty grey, mm. nasty colour with little bits of yellow kind of around we're talking like phase two phase two helmets so like little yeah. yellow details just here and there right just uh, just here and there but it's like this dusty murky earthy gray color and it's all yeah. dirtied up and stuff and they're just they're they're built for urban urban fine mate so quick fire that is my answer i hope you scale. can envisage that um scale, Matt, what are you saying mate yeah scale but i hadn't actually I hadn't actually come up with an actual name for them. I was just going to call them like Lad Squadron or something, but um, but you've come up with that now. Well, uh, well, the 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 paint uh, design, color, pattern would be it's just red and white. It's a Saints Saints Squadron. There you go. They're going to have little red and white stripes across them. It's not going to be like pinstripe, but in like the corner on one on one of the chest plates on one side, it's going to be red and white stripes um, to honour the heroes of St Mary's, and they'd be called Saint Squadron. Um, I do like the white and yellow ones I mentioned from Fallen Order I think they look sick mm, but I would mm-hmm, go for mm. a a classy red and white it would, I, would, I wouldn't use a like a um, brash bright red similar to you I'd use kind of like a dustier one where it looks like it's seen a bit of damage so, but it would still be the red and white stripes on one of the chest plates Saint Squadron coming at you yep they <laughs> go marching in to battle <gasps> right alright mate all right, you had a good game on the weekend, and that's it. Oh, that's that's all it was, because we won. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. Okay. Jeez, <laughs> Great question. Great question, Scotty Boy. We love you. Can't wait for Saturday as well. Another guy is going to be there Saturday, Martin Mead, the Woo. King of Malden. Uh, Martin asks this. Hi, gents. Apologies if this has been asked before, but if you could be any character in the galaxy far, far away, who would you be and why? Keep being amazing and love all the content. Sessions for life and may the force be with you always. Matty boy, what are you saying? Who are you going to be? Good question. Martin, you never need to apologise for anything, mate. The Medalorian, you bow to no one. Cross IPs there. <laughs> um, yeah, can't wait to see you, Martin, mate. For me, uh, I'm going to go for... Do you know what? To tonight, I feel like being Poe Dameron because he looks so cool. I mean, the jacket from The Force Awakens, which Finn nicked. I think he looks great. He is a flyboy. He's got that swagger. He clearly likes a pint after a mission. Um, and he grows to be clearly. a leader. He's got great... <laughs> he's, got, <laughs> he's got great stubble. Loves a pint. Um, and he's a, he's a babe as well. He's a, he's a babe. So I'm going to go for Poe Dameron because I like his swagger this week. Any other week, it could be anyone else. But right now, Martin, Poe Dameron. Lukey boy, if you could be anyone, who are you going to be and why? Ah, oh, it's a great... It's a, it's a great... Great question you sound like me uh, man. <laughs> i know like i'm getting all these words fused together it's that getting root beer root. i had earlier it's it's it, you know getting <laughs> getting absolutely off my head on Mullered. sugar and saturates <laughs> um Ryan martin um you know I, i'd probably really like to be anakin because Ooh. i played it i played on uh callum and megan's oculus rift or now MetaQuest, oh, whatever yeah. it's called and nice. I was playing on that first time done VR like that and it was crazy man so Fun, interesting so cool and there is a Star Wars game on that that I told them about I want to do that but mine I just want to recreate Order 66 of Anakin <laughs> any particular scene yeah youngling one 
yes. What we've all I wanted think to someone, do. I think someone's done a mod of that, haven't they? They've actually modded like the Order 66 thing from Battlefront, and you're just like running around like slaying lung- younglings. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who wouldn't want to be Chewbacca, right? Everyone loves Chewie. And oh, for sure. At the end of the day, you get to go home to Marla, who's an yes, absolute babe. Got- huh? Lumpy, or whatever his name is, a little boy. Yeah. Yeah, Lumpy. You've got Lumpy, who's obviously got his own issues. And you've got Grandad, who also has his own um, issues and addictions. So, plenty of issues and addictions, that fella. <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> he, he likes a bit of VR, apparently. So, that's great, isn't it? Loves a bit of VR. There you go. To what Wookiees love a bit of VR? Uh, so <laughs> VR done now with the, <laughs> with oh. the questions. I'm so wow. sorry. Oh. Wow. Yeah, that was <laughs> so we are now done with the Patreon questions. Luke, Scott, Martin, thank you so much for sending those in. You've all got something in common. Two things. You're kings and you come into the super spicy Star Wars night this mm. weekend. We can't wait to see you to talk Star Wars with you. Guys, let, let us know what your answers to all of those questions were. We love hearing from you, so DM us the answers to what you would have given us for those. However, bartender, sorry about the mess, but that's going to bring about an end to our time here in this week, Bantina, this week. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. It's the Star Wars Sessions Game! Game! Yes, that's right. Every week we end the episode with a cheeky game, and this week is my turn to host Matty Boy. Are you ready to play? Ready to rumble. I want to know, Matty boy, how musical you are. You're from a little bit of a musical family, and I want to exploit that talent, question mark, (laughs) if you do have the talent. Um, In the documentary, mate, in the documentary, you can hit the music because we're in the game. That's it. Like We're right in it. That's it. Like We're we're, we're banging. We're banging the moment. Um, In the documentary, the director and the Jedi, Mark Hamill, mentions two tracks two tracks that were pop songs with a star wars twist and he in fact he's suggesting oh yeah i was talking to harrison and we we're talking about these do you remember what the song titles were so they're they are popular songs that mark hamill has given a little star wars twist and it was in the director and the jedi do you remember the luke of love Mm. Yes. Um, <laughs> it took you a second yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just shocked. I'm shocked that my guy could just like sit down and go, "Yeah, this is the answer." Wow, I can't remember Very the other one. It was uh, "Hold My Hand" or something like that. I can't remember what it was, but it was something along those lines. I'm shocked. I am shocked. Mayboy has just smashed that absolutely out the park. What was the answer? I want to hold your hand. That's it. Hold your hand. That's it. I want to hold your hand. Yes, right. Beatles, mate. Come on. Well done. Because he is, he's a huge Beatles fan, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Beatles, um, 
kinks and stuff like that. Yeah, he loves it. And and for for bonus points, can you quick fire name two tracks with a Star Wars twist? Two pop songs oh, of your man. choice. You just can't you um, gotta come up with a cheeky pun. Oh man, I'm usually quite good at doing that, but now I've been. I know put it on seems like your sort of thing. Um, I thought of you when I was coming up with this game. I was like, yeah, short and sweet, and and sounds dad jokes. An awful lot like me. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, this is really hard to come out over on the spot. I'm, I'm trying to think of songs yep. people may have heard of as well. Um, right, let's go for... In the background, I'm just doing the countdown music. Bad Pomance, Poe Darren, Bad Romance. Very good. Gaga, I like it. It works. And let's go for... It checks out. Oh, come on. Come on, I need the name, name, name of a song. Uh, um, yellow, yellow Brick Bode. What? Bode and feed, feed and Bode, whatever the name was. So was oh, that's Fode and Bead. Damn it! Yellow Brick Fode. He was a commentator from The Phantom Menace. Right. We'll have it. <laughs> oh, yes, we'll you're it. having it. <laughs> we'll accept that. Yeah, Matt's like, yes. Matt Boy's like, yeah. No more. My, you're not getting any My brain is going. It. Yeah, you're not getting anything else out of me. Well done, mate, by that. That was quick fire. Very um, impressive. It's a short and a sweet one to end this week's episode of The Sessions. You, you pretty much absolutely 100%. 100%. I'll give you 100% ace, a star or whatever the kids are oh. given nowadays. I think they're given numbers now, which seems really dumb. Uh, again, the power on the Did head. Did you hear the about that? They're called like, oh yeah, I've got a five in English. I don't know what that means. I don't know I've what got that five means. in maths. Is that good? What does that mean? If, if Olivia came and said that, I'd say, I don't know what that means. But, um, You'd be uh, like, well head, done, Head, shoulders, love. knees and rows. Yeah, there's another one. Head, shoulders, That's... knees and rows. Uh, yeah. Heads. We finished the game, haven't we? So yeah, I'm going yeah, to stop done. coming up with these names now. But yeah, like Lucky Boy said, that's it. The game is done, and what a fun game it was. The episode is also done. Episode 173. We are barrel rolling towards 200. But the fun doesn't stop there. No one's ever really gone, Master Blywalker. Where can the world find us? They can find us at stylesessions.co.uk. Search for us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and we will be there. Just search Star Wars Sessions. Drop us a voice note or a message to our email. Hello there at starwarsessions.co.uk. Don't forget about that Patreon as well, guys. Patreon.com forward slash Star Wars Sessions. $2 a month gets you access to that absolute bargain. Get involved. You can be like Charlotte Hammond, sign up. Or if you want to support the show for free, you can do by leaving us a five-star rating or review on your podcast provider of choice, which does now include Spotify. Five stars helps the show grow. It introduces new listeners, and it's another way to hear from more of you each and every week. Leave us a review, please. We know a lot of you listen. <laughs> and not a lot of you review. No, a lot of you have reviewed. You've if you're on Spotify, leave us, a, leave us a couple of stars, please. Just listen to Matty Boy. Otherwise, it's going to get Alex. He's going to get Alex Jessup to come around to your nan's house and smack around the face, which isn't nice. All not rolled up. Please tell all your Star Wars friends about us. Please tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your mates, tell your cat, tell Ram Bergman, tell your Ewok, tell your cousin the more the merrier. In the castle spicier. Yes, tell Phil Collins when he wrote another ray of 
Oh, another ray of sunshine? Yep, I'm giving you that one. Another ray in paradise. Oh. That's it. Another <laughs> ray in paradise. What there? Nelly in that list of podcasts you're looking song. for. It's a good tune. So until next time, from me, Phil, and Ray, see ya. And from Luke, Phil, Phil Mitchell. Uh, may the force be with you always. Luke. Luke Toes Rico. We might have done that one before, but it last Jedi, we'll take it? it. So. I butchered the Phil Collins song title, so we'll have that. Bam Rogman. There you go. Bam. Essex-based podcast heroes... I think if you take away the effects, the sets, and the sound effects, you're left with a very pedestrian director. What?